Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 18 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis Dahl from Zionsville, Indiana. And I'm Barbara Wojan from Oldsmar, Florida. How's everybody doing? Hope you're doing good. Poor Elvis had both strains of the flu, so this is the first <laughs> that he's even uh, been able to talk or get up. So I don't know why anybody would get the flu in the middle of the summer, but my co-host uh, got both of them, A and B. Yeah, I'm a rarity. I'm I'm a statistic. I tell you, you are. patient zero right here. You are now. How was your terrible vacation? My, oh, it was wonderful. Thank you. I said I. Yeah. I biked. I ran. I drank. I went to the sun, to the beach, and uh, now I'm back to uh, reality. So, but I'm ready to hit it hard tomorrow. I'm looking forward to going back to work. Thanks for asking. Are you really? Yeah, wow. I am. I love what I do. Must have been a good vacation to make you excited to go back. I'm ready to go back. Yeah. Go reduce your batteries back up and, uh, you know, get more passion and instill all that great stuff. And then you go back and you hit it hard. So I'm going to hit it hard. I'm ready to go. Nice. Nice. Well, we have an exciting intervon today. A gentleman by the name of Von Groh. We had a great discussion with him. He's the guy that runs the Dental Technicians Guild, DTG. Uh, he's all over Facebook. They have a great symposium that they're doing next month. Yep. So you might want to make sure you check out the links on this website because uh, he's an interesting guy and you're you're going to want to learn more. It's it's really neat. He did a great interview. Yeah, we're super excited to bring this interview to you. Uh, we had it a, a little while back and uh, can't wait to bring it to you. It's a really interesting story about how he got started. Uh, just like all of us kind of fell into it. Uh, enjoy. Voices from the Bench. The interview. All right. I appreciate you joining us this afternoon. Von Groh from Utah, correct? Yeah, that's right. Not not originally, but I, I live here now, so it's home. Excellent. So Von Groh with the Dental Technicians Guild, DTG, which we've all seen everywhere, especially on Facebook, joins us today to learn more about this exciting aspect of our industry. Von Groh, how are you, sir? I'm great, Elvis. Thank you. Having a good Friday, trying to get the day done, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. It's (laughs) been a week. It has been a week. Yeah. So tell us, Von, we always like to ask the people on our podcast, how did you get into the industry? What was your background? What pulled you in? You know, I just kind of stumbled upon it. And if I had a dollar for every person that said that, I mean, I don't know that anyone aspires to be a dental technician. I mean, unless you, let's just real talk, right? Unless you, somebody introduces you to it or you have a family member in the business or, so that's really how it happened. My uncle owned a dental lab and he was removables only, a denture lab. So when I got when I graduated high school in 1995, he had a denture lab, and I went to go work for him um, as a delivery driver. Didn't really know anything about the, the business, mm-hmm. so I started out uh, just driving for him, and then um, little by little, I worked my way into the lab. You know, pretty soon it was go pick up this case, 
And so I did that for a while. And then it was like, come back and I'm going to show you how to pour it up. I'm like, okay. So then that happened. And then it was like, okay, now I'm going to show you how to mount it. Okay. Now I'm going to show you it. So over time, I just, eventually he replaced me with another driver and I was in the lab off and running, doing many different things. So you start, you started off as a driver and uh, I graduated in 87 and um, didn't really know what I wanted to do. And my dad called me when I was partying in Orlando, having a great time and yanked me back into uh, Tampa. And that's where I started. And so I started delivering for my dad's company. And then the same thing, you know, he, he said, well, I have a uh, opening in opaque. And so I started opaquing and, and that's how I fell into it. So that's really cool. I love this podcast. Because I get to hear, you know, how people get into our industry. And I agree, we kind of fall into it. And then we fall in love and the rest is history. You shouldn't have done such a good job pouring up that first model. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) I could have done something to prevent all of this. I blew it. Just kidding. The crazy outweighs the crazy. That's right. For some reason we stay, right? It's like having kids, you know, people that have kids, they... You know, like you hear the cynical, the cynics, right? Like, oh man, I just, the kids just, whatever, took away my yeah. life. I can't go do things anymore. I can't. And then they have another one. And they, <laughs> like, well, at, at some point, the joy must be outweighing the uh, the bad, right? Or else. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I do. I do love it. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I moved in there. I started doing uh, more stuff, and I remember the probably the worst job I had in there was um, we did same day relines. So I did relines all day, and basically had my own hazmat suit. And I would just—I'm not kidding. It was so disgusting. I worked off a lathe, and you know the first thing you do is carve all that crap out of there. So I had this big mandrel in there and just a ripper right called it the ripper <laughs> and oh my gosh it smelled like uh, meat that's yeah. all i can say uh, bacon and i don't know there was <laughs> it was weird i'm like what what is going on get me out of here yeah yeah it was, it was uh some good times but man you're like it's yeah i i had things disgusting. flying in your face yeah you're just Somehow it gets around the guard and like, you know, into your, like, tries to get into you, you know? So you gotta, you gotta put on that full hazmat suit if you can, the goggles, the whatever you got. So. So I see the work you do now on, um, on Facebook and pretty much everywhere. So if you think back, where did you get your training? Cause I know that you're not doing that today. You know, you're, you're well above that. Yeah. So what hap- what happened is, is I worked there for five years in my uncle's dental lab and he had me, I basically did every job in the removables lab except for setting teeth. For some reason he insisted, I mean, that was like his thing, right? I never got to do that. But I mean, I made wax bite rims. I did repairs, relines. Um, I polished almost everything. Um, we didn't do frame. I didn't do frameworks either. I didn't actually make them. We outsourced that. Uh-huh. So I did all that kind of stuff, learned the ins and outs. And then I was the guy that stayed and packed all of yep. the cases too. So we used like the, the Lucitone 199, you know, we were doing oh, yeah. packing all the cases and um, we did a lot of like ethnic gum cases actually, because we were there. I grew up in uh, California. So I was there in the San Francisco Bay area just south of okay. Oakland. So we'd go up there and there was a few um, like welfare type 
organizations like medical clinics and stuff that we worked for. So we would go sure. and get pick up stuff there. But I remember that, like having to choose, it would give me all these different shades, you know. And so I was I was packing all of the acrylic at night and putting them into the boil out, and then I'd break them out in the morning, trim them up, and then you know give them to my my boss, my uncle. So. Um, five years of removable, and then uh, sorry, I'll try to make this shorter because we're already like <laughs> no, you're ten you're minutes fine. into this program. Okay, you're fine. But yeah, so so um, to answer your question, so from there in 2000, I left on a mission for my church. I went to um, Santiago, Chile. So actually went to Chile and spent two years with, with uh, the people there and. Wow. It was, yeah, preaching the gospel. That's not up, a trip. <laughs> yeah, it, it was quite a trip. And uh, just living among the people, too. And I had some of the best experiences of my life there, to be honest. Um, and I picked up some Spanish, so I do speak Spanish. And I um, came back, and I moved to Utah. Again, there's some details in there. But I moved to Utah. My grandfather passed away. They lived here in Utah came to the funeral. My grandma said, hey, do you and your brother want to come up here and live? And you guys can go to school and you can, and I have a basement apartment that you guys can live in. So I was just off my mission. I didn't really have very many plans at that point. So, um, but what I did know how to do is work in a lab. So when I got here and I needed a job in the summer, because it was just starting summertime, I, um, called around to some labs and I, I got hired on at Utah Valley Dental Lab here in sure. Provo, Utah. So, and I got hired in the model department um, and I was doing cosmetic models. So for the first time I got introduced kind of to the aesthetic, like to the cosmetic yeah. world side of things, right? The fixed side. Mm -hmm. And so some of it was new to me. Some of it was not. They also had a small denture department, but they didn't have any room in there. It was actually really small. Two guys was more than they needed in there. So I just started working in the model room. I accepted that position because in my mind, uh, uh, I thought I was going to be going to school in the fall. And lo and behold, what happened, Barbara, is yes. <laughs> I, I stayed, you know, talked to my bosses and they're like, hey, did, did you ever just consider doing this? And I'm like, you know what? Honestly, no, not for long term. And they they kind of posed a plan and they, they talked to me about, you know, actually what was interesting is what they did is, is they called me into their office and I went in there. And they slid over a paper that had all, I mean, there was doctors on this list, lawyers, doctors, dentists, all this stuff, and all the median range uh, prices, or sorry, salaries. Salary, yeah. And said, hey, um, is there any reason why you think you can't make just as much or more than people on this list? And I said, uh no, I, I wouldn't, I'd say, no, I wouldn't believe that, you know? Yeah. And they said, what if we told you that we had people here that are, are doing that right now? And I went, wow, I, that, and I guess I'd have to believe you, you know, I, or just go and ask him myself. So um, sure. they were really smart in doing that because they just, it was true that that's what they were cultivating there at the time. They had, um, you know, it was early 2000s, the, the boom of yeah. cosmetic dentistry, I would say, was just 
uh, still in effect, you know? So, I mean, they, they were killing it in that arena. So yeah, I, I stayed, I, I actually went, what, this is what they really offered. They said, Hey, um, we had, we used to have a school here that did like the, um, what is it called? The carving PTC yeah. and all, all yep. those programs, right? Yeah. They had all uh-huh. the videos and all that stuff. And they said, if you want to, you could continue to work here full time. And then after you're done with an eight hour shift, getting hands-on experience, you could clock out and you could go into our back room and have access to all those materials. And you could put yourself through that, that training. So I was like, wow. So yeah, I mean, I took a few weeks to think about it, but came back and said, you know what? Yeah, I'll do it. Let's give it a try. So they said, look, we'll turn in all your tests for you. We'll get you, you know, but you could essentially just go to quote unquote school and put yourself through this course. So I did. I took the next year or so and just did a lot of the stuff by myself. And all the while I was getting hands-on training. I eventually moved out of the model department and went to waxing and Mark Willis, who was one of the owners there at the time, he kind of took me under his wing. I don't know why. I'm, I'm lucky. I look back now and I'm like, I don't know why it was me, but he actually eventually just sat me right next to him and just would teach me every day. So I got... I waxed for him and pretty soon did bigger and bigger cases until I was doing full mouth reconstructions and stuff like that under his tutelage. So really, um, that was great. I, I really thought he was hard on me, but looking back, I would, I wouldn't change a single thing. I mean, he was the kind of guy just, you know, you bring him something, you'd say, this looks like total crap. Like, yeah. You didn't, you didn't apply some of the things that I've taught you. Go, go take this back and don't bring it to me again until you've done everything that you can do first. And, you know, I hated those days and now I love those days because he did not let me touch ceramics until I waxed for him for about three years. So, wow. yeah, I mean, you know, most guys out of school, uh, you know, they want to just do ceramics immediately, Yep. you know, and, and they would consider being put in the model room as like a huge downgrade. Like, no, no, we didn't even spend time on model work. Oh yeah. You know, I want to, I want to do ceramics now. Mm-hmm. And I think that, I think that's a mistake because, you know, you, you go straight to that before you wax and learn morphology and, and the shapes of teeth and spend more time on that. You're really just cutting out your own legs from underneath you. That's my opinion. I love the fact that you had a mentor and he sort of kind of like smelled you and knew that, you know, what, what you were capable of and took you under his wing like that and taught you everything, you know, I think that's really a, isn't that weird? Yeah. Because honestly, like I, you can't see it when it's happening. And then when you look back, you're like, man, I understand that now. Like that had to happen to bring me to this point, to bring me to this point, to bring yeah. me to that point, And now I'm where I'm at today. But yeah. you don't always have answers for it and you don't understand it while it's happening. But retrospect is super interesting. Sure is, is he still around? Oh, yeah. Mark Willis. Yeah, they both owned it together. Mark Willis and Richard Willis owned the lab together. And then at some point they had a big falling out and um, Mark Willis left the lab and I went with him. Cool. So we, him and I started experienced in the really? studio and he is still running his successful lab um he actually close by me here in utah in linden utah so cool. he's doing great awesome so, 
So when did you open up your lab now, Dark Horse Dental Studio? So Dark Horse, I started, I think, January 1st is when it went into effect of 2012, if I'm not mistaken. I guess I could look at the actual articles of organization and when it was filed, but that's what I want (laughs) to say. It was the very beginning of the year, 2012. And actually, um, what happened is, is Mark Willis and I started another lab called Performance Dental Lab, and I grew it. We grew it within his lab experience, and then I moved out of his lab when we got big enough, and then I started Dark Horse Dental Studio a few years later, just as a small boutique lab because that was my background. And Performance Lab, mm-hmm. the one we built together, was kind of more of a middle of the road pricing and quality and stuff like that. This was back in 2009 when we started that lab. So anyway, interesting road. It was a lot of components there, but I, I basically worked in like a 60 man lab and like a, you know, started the lab with Mark and we built it up to like 18 people. And then we started performance dental lab, which was a, a totally different tier of pricing and everything and built that up to 10 or 11 people. And then Dark Horse Dental Studio is just me and one other guy. And that's where I am today. So the last five, six years that that's been me is just Dark Horse Dental Studio. How did you come up with the name Dark Horse? You know what? Um, I honestly, two reasons. The first one was I just, I love names that are different. I mean, my name's different, you know, it's Fawn, just B-O-N. So I kind of grew up with that. But I wanted a name that wouldn't be easy to forget, you know. Um, So that was one reason. If you hear Dark Horse Demo Studio, it's like, okay, well, that's weird. And why did you name it that? And I won't forget it probably. And uh, the second one is I just like what it stands for, right? It's like um, the unexpected winner in a race, you know, the Dark Horse in a race or a so it has a lot of meaning for me there. It's like the unexpected winner, you know, the underdog. I love underdog stories. That's like my favorite. Something that wasn't meant to live or happen, and it does, yeah. and it's like largely successful. I'm so attracted to documentaries of people that that happened to or teams or anything, you know, that there was no expectation. and Rises above. Yep. Expectations. Awesome. Love it. Thank you for sharing that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Dark Horse is a very profound name. I like it. What do you specialize over there at Dark Horse? Yeah, I do all ceramic, but if I had to choose a niche, it's um, Feldspathic veneers on platinum foil. So that's, that's really what I specialize in, what my niche is. Um, and again, I, I learned Mark Willis introduced me to that. And then, um, I just did lots and lots of cases. Um, I kind of came up with my own technique for swedging, which is, um, I would say the art form of forming the platinum foil to the veneer, the facial of the, the working dye or the veneer. And, um, Uh I kind of developed the one that I use today on on my own, but it was, it was when I was working for Mark. So I always want to give him full credit and, and try to be as transparent as possible that I, I do not claim to, um, have come up with this idea or be the authority in foil. I can only speak to how I do it. And in my experience, what has worked 
the best for me, like with my clients and everything. But that's really what I specialize in is I, I do little glass slippers that fit over your original teeth, you know, non-prep or minimal prep is, is the specialty that I'm, wow. I'm focused on. So. so I actually have a client here in Oldsmar, Florida, Jason Horowitz. And um, oh, yeah. yeah, he, every time he does a case with you, he calls me over and we take a look at it when he seats it and it's just unbelievable. And he's like, you know, can we don't do Feltzpathic here um, at my laboratory, but you know, I just, I love your work. I've seen it in the mouth. I've seen it seated how easily and how beautifully they seat. And um, you know, my clients rave about you. So it's funny. It's funny that oh you're gosh, based in Barbara, Utah. So crazy <laughs> you're that. in Utah. I'm in Tampa. This is so crazy because <laughs> Yeah, but th- but that is so crazy because I just made this connection that you yeah. are you. I I know who you are then through it. Okay, because he would say Barbara. He would he talk about rags you. On Jason me. said <laughs> no, he, no. He says great <laughs> things about you, and I know that he he uses you for other things. Is that right? Yeah, but he pushes me to get he pushes me to get better um, with your name, and you know I aspire to you know do that type of work, and so it's really cool. So, but yeah, oh, that's that's great. Thank you, Barbara. Yeah, so so how oh, that's so weird. Okay, now yeah. I totally get it because uh, you know what? when I read your full name, Barbara, I went wait what? Because is it's it Wojin? It's like Trojan, but Wojin. Wojin. Okay. <laughs> Trojan Wojin. Okay. Yeah. So um. That's awesome. Okay. Because now when I read your full name, I went, um, I know I've heard this lady's full name somewhere, but where, where, where did I? Okay. So I get, I get it now. And I appreciate your kind words. He also said really nice things about you. And, um, so here's an interesting thing about being in a niche, Barbara, is I don't have clients that send me all of their work. So I am used to having my clients have Uh, other labs. And I'm totally fine with it. And here's why. I love what I do. I love just doing like the prep list and minimal prep veneers and the Feldspathic and stuff like that. And um, so I know full on that uh, my clients have other labs that they work with for things that they specialize in and that they, so I may have a client that I only hear from like Every three months, they just pop out of nowhere and say, Vaughn, I got this case for you, you know, and I'm like, great. And you know what? I love that. My clientele pool has to be a little bit bigger because of that, because, you know, I only see some guys only have a case specifically to what I do that comes in the door, like every so often, maybe some guys are like once a month. Some guys are like, I said, like some people every like six months, like all of a sudden this guy goes, Hey man. I just got this perfect case for foil veneers and then they'll just call me up and I'll we'll yep. get into the case together. And um, I've grown to just really like that. And, and I enjoy even, especially this is a rare occasion where I get to meet some of the other um, lab yeah. people. But anyway, cool. that's kind right, of my world it. is I say, look, when you have a case like this, um, I hope you think of me, but I'm okay that you, are used to having your own lab or your local lab or whoever you're used to working with. But if you want my, my service on some of these foil veneers or whatever, then please give me a call and let's do a case together. So anyway, cool. It's got to take a lot of pressure off of you knowing that you don't need to get every case. The doctor does. It's got to, 
It's got to make it a little. Yeah, easier. you know what? It is. It is easier, and it's fun. And you know, I, I pre-schedule all my cases, so I don't have work like stacking up. Where it just, I don't know. You know, like I don't ever feel that pressure because my clients um, know to call me first. I mean, that really saves my butt is pre-scheduling yeah. my cases and things like that. But really takes the pressure off and helps me focus on the things I love to do the most. So. Absolutely. So do you do any relines? <laughs> you know what? I don't. That's, Hell that's no. Pretty, pretty you can just say it. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> the bacon smell oh, is still fresh in my nose. So I'm like, no thanks. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Interestingly enough, is I don't do any removables here. So I guess back to your original question, I do all ceramics. So I will do like zirconia frameworks and stuff, but I'll layer and then I do do pressed, um, a lot of pressed um, cases as well. But still, I'd probably say about half of what I'm doing is yeah. this spoil technique, which I just love. You know, and there's only really a handful of guys out there still still doing this technique. I mean, regularly, I guess they pull it out. It's funny because every like dental show or anything I'm at, I make friends yeah. with a lot of old people. And that's not knocking old people, but, you know, they're like, Oh man, I used to do that in the 70s, or I was doing that. I remember foil veneers. You know, I did jacket crowns and veneers with with foil. And so it's fun. I like kick back and hang out with the older crowd. But, you know, a lot of things just come in a big rotation. You know, they come back around and people start using them again or relearning the technique. So, again, I'm not the authority. I can show people how I do it. But but I definitely don't say, hey, yeah, these, these are mine or I invented it, you know. You can't really, like, patent or own a process, right? I mean, you can trademark the na- a name or something, but, you know. I think you're definitely uh, partly responsible for bringing it back around because I do have a fair amount of clients that call me and, you know, they're like, do you do this foil technique? I read, you know, this uh, DTG or Facebook or, or your name or your lab and you know, they inquire about doing them. And so I, I definitely would tell you that I personally feel a lot more phone calls um, regarding that. So you definitely have brought it back around. It's pretty cool. I wish we did do them because oh. it's, you know, I get a lot of questions. I'm probably losing a lot of money. I'll refer them all to you, though, if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah, sure. Yeah, Thank you. absolutely. All right. I appreciate Vaughn. That was part one. I like it how he uh, started off as a driver and now he does what he does. It's it's always amazing to me. I've, I don't know of anybody at our lab that started as a driver. We always hire retired gentlemen. So back then it was 18-year-olds uh, and now it's 65-year-olds. Uh, it's funny how. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Join us next week, part two. He gets more into how the DTG started. And what uh what their goals are. It's pretty neat. Well, I still need to get people to check out the t-shirt fundraiser that we have going on. Uh, make sure you go up to the website in the upper right-hand corner. There's a link to buy a Voices from the Bench t-shirt. All profits get donated to the Foundation for Dental Laboratory Technology. We are extremely passionate about, obviously. Yeah, so get yourself a t-shirt. All money gets donated for a good cause, and you get to sport the coolest t-shirt in the industry. So please, go check it out. It is a limited run. 
I think on August 6th, this fascinating thing ends. So make sure you pick up a t-shirt before then. The more, the better. And don't forget about Elvis and I. We're raising money also. We have the triathlon on uh, August 24th. So any of you hearted people want to um, give to us for being uh, crazy asses and doing triathlons on the 24th, uh, please do. We'd appreciate it. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 (laughs) You poor baby. I'm so sorry.